I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are... $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Here in the Northern Rockies, dark winter months are outlasted in basements, dens, and nooks, where kindred souls gather together to share intel, swap fly patterns, and relive the memories from seasons past. This gathering spot known locally as the February Room is the inspiration for this podcast, no matter the season, the door is always open to those with a fly fishing story to tell. Brought to you by CD Fishing USA, the North American distributor for composite development fly rods and accessories. 40 years of Kiwi ingenuity and graphite technology now available at cd-fishing.us or your local CD USA dealer. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And remember to go fishing. Here's your host, the Carnops, and this is the February Room. Scroll through an outfitter's page, you can normally get a good read on their expertise on their home waters. It's their bread and butter, of course. Sometimes, though, an outfitter will provide a hosted trip to a destination that is on every fly fishing enthusiast's bucket list. Today, my guest, Brett Wedeking of Tailout Anglers, based in Seattle, informs me more about managing both these operations. Thank you so much for joining me today, Brett. Hi. We have a lot to talk about today, but before we get into more about these hosted trips, which are obviously incredible, I've I've clicked the links and uh, looked at these videos. I, I want to go to all of them. Um, let's hear more about, uh, let's hear a fishing story. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on. This is really exciting. Uh, yeah, I've, I tried to think of uh, of a bunch of fishing stories. It's kind of funny when I, when I was you know reading the outline, I was like, what I don't like, what do I have for fishing stories? And I was like, and then I started thinking and I was like, I have so many stories, like some just weird, silly, I don't know, you know, being a, a guide is just full of craziness every single day. <laughs> well, those are my favorite yeah. ones. So the silly ones are my favorite story. Like you can, yeah. you can tell me about your big catch, but I want to hear the ones that are like crazy. Yeah. So, uh, I used to guide in Alaska, um, out in Southwest Alaska on a steelhead river out there. And, um, we had uh, two guys that, that came up. One of them had been, had been there before and one hadn't. They were fishing together all week. And um, it's it's the ends of the earth out there. It's like, you know, mountains with glaciers and huge bears running around all over and, uh, you know, black sand beaches. And uh, it's crazy. And there's this volcano that's behind the lodge. Um, I don't know. It's like 20 or 30 miles. And it's got huge glaciers on it. And, um, and one uh, fall, it was erupting like almost nonstop through the entire season and uh, there's like flames shooting out of it and smoke and all sorts of stuff um, it was just really surreal 
And one day it was super foggy and we're driving up river with these two guys and we hear it like booming, like thunderous booms, uh, you know, echoing through the, the tundra. And we didn't really know what was going on. And uh, we were kind of just like, well, I guess if this is how it ends, this is you know, <laughs> a pretty cool place to be. We couldn't see anything. And uh, we all kind of just looked at each other like, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it was wild. Um, so we get up to this run and it's, it's super long and it's full of fish. You know, we'd been, we knew, you know, we knew where, where the fish are and, and, uh, the one dude who's been there just jumps in the water and just starts wailing away. And, and, uh, I kind of coach the other guy and, um, you know, get him in position. And, and, you know, five minutes later he hooks and lands a steelhead and he's like, this is just wow, this is so cool and whatever. And, uh, I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, so we take pictures and whatever. And, uh, I'm like, okay, like, cool, get back in there. And he's like, all right, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, 10 minutes later, he catches another steelhead and he's like, this is just like, it's so cool. And he sits down in the grass and he's like, all right, like what's next. And I'm like, what do you mean? What's next? And he's like, well, I caught two fish. Like, what? like, what do we do now? Like day's over. Right. And I was like, what? And he's like, dude, I've, I caught two fish in two years at home. And I was like, dude, get your rod, get back in the water and go catch another fish. And uh, you know, five, 10 minutes later, he catches another fish and another one and another one. And he's just like dumbfounded at, at what, <laughs> like he didn't know, you know, places like this existed. Um, and to be fair, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it, that whole region out there is the most spectacular place on earth, you know, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, oh but it was just gosh. really funny, just the like the perspective, and and you know he was just like, I'm done. It was just like day <laughs> one too, like out of six days. It was it still like, like rumbling as he's fishing. Is it still like oh, volcano? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, I mean it, that part kind of stopped like you know later in the day. It, it went back to just you know when we could see again, just shooting fire and whatever. Um, and mostly you could see it just at night. Um, you see the flames and stuff. But um, yeah, and then uh, the other guy, he's like we. We called him fist bump because he would, he, every time he would, you know, anything he would talk about or he'd catch a fish or anything like that, he would fist bump you, but like really hard, like punch you in the, <laughs> in the hand. And so he did it once to me and I just said, no, don't ever do that to me again. And he kind of got upset about that. <laughs> I just, what? I didn't want anything to do. Yeah. I mean, he would like hit you like to your knuckles would bruise. You're like, dude, I'm a fishing guide. I'm I'm not an MMA fighter. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, and you know, it's like, let's just, you know, let's go fish. It's great. So he, uh, you know, and he's, he's just kind of a, you know, happy go lucky, like, you know, surfer kind of, kind of dude. And um, he, so every time he catches a fish, like I said, he'd been there before he kind of knew the program. Every time he catch a fish, he'd pull out this roll up a bong that looked <laughs> like a dildo and no. <laughs> no joke. And he would fill it with river water. And he would sit in the grass and just, you know, just smoke a bowl and just kind of lay there in the grass for like, you know, 10 or 15 minutes or whatever, and then roll it back up, like pour the water out, roll it back up, put it in his pocket and go back to fishing. He'd catch another fish and pull it back out. And <laughs> do what? The same. He, you were just like basically guiding someone just to like have them like half the time just get like so high. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. And I mean, that's kind of a normal part of fishing, but it was just like, right non-stop it was just so funny and he would he'd wait out like you know just like chest deep every time and just like run through the river i'm like <laughs> dude the fish are behind you he's like no i know where i'm doing i'm going yeah, yeah i'm like okay cool and he'd catch fish just fine but god it was just so funny yeah he just he'd just pull out this bong it was like a like a latex like rubbery dildo bong is what we called it <laughs> and fill it with did river he have a water. name for it no, I can't. Re Maybe he did. I can't remember. But it was like it was like green, like neon green, oh, or like gosh. glow in the dark green or something. I don't know. It was yeah. Between so. the between the volcano and the the dildo bog, you're just like I, I'm. <laughs> yeah. Like and then the other is this guy the way like, I want to end my life? And I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I want my last day to be. Like they're having the best time, but you're like, is oh, this yeah. the last thing I want to see? Yeah. Exactly. So and I was. Uh, you know, every day guiding in Alaska is something new and memorable, but that was just one of the, the kind of most funny and bizarre sorts of days uh, in my in my career. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, Jess and I just came two weeks ago for the first time ever. I went to oh, Alaska. Cool. I've yeah. never been to Alaska before. And uh, we went fishing with um, 
Justin's buddy up there, AK Physiology, uh, Mark Wackler. And um, it was, it was off of uh, mm-hmm. Soldatna. We're yeah, on the yeah. Kenai. And so uh, I've never experienced anything like that before in my life. First off, kind of that image that you were talking about, um, Alaska and these river, I, the Kenai is busy. I didn't oh, yeah. realize how busy the Kenai is. And so um, I thought for sure, like I would be the only person <laughs> in Alaska fishing this river and nobody would be there. And then that experience that you're talking about, like fishing, um, like the, you know, we're, we're fly fishing and uh, we're on this boat and I was like casting. And I think the first fish I have on is a peak. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Oh God. Everybody, everybody come here, come close. Like I'm catching <laughs> some fish on the fly and it's like a pink. And he's like, Oh, it's a pink. And I was like, okay. And then like the next fish I catch is a pink. And then I finally get to the conclusion that pink are not awesome fish to catch <laughs> on the Kenai. You shouldn't even take a picture of them. But in the very beginning um, that, you know, you're like, Holy smokes. You see this huge yeah. fish. Like it's, what is this? And then, um, then when I have a silver on and then Mark Wackler is super stoked about it, I'm like, oh, okay. So now I've, I've come to the conclusion that catching pink on the fly is not, it's, it's like catching a white fish. Yeah. Uh, no one's really stoked about it, but catching a silver is amazing. And one of the coolest things though, on this trip is that we went to Jess and I went off the Kenai and kind of did our do it, your, do it yourself. And we went to this river and we were, we were swinging, Justin was swinging for, um, for, we were swinging for silvers because we hear there were silvers there, but randomly Justin had a steelhead. Oh, cool. And I guess it's really early in the season for that to happen. But um, when you get caught off guard like that, because we were like, oh, we're just going to catch, catch some silver. And um, when Justin swung, he's like, uh, wait a second. This is not a silver. This is actually oh, that's cool. a steelhead. Yeah. It was, it was so cool. And um, but yeah, like having that experience in Alaska, just catching so many fish where you, like you said, you don't get that anywhere in the world, you know, other than Alaska, you can really manage to catch a lot of fish. And it was one of those experiences that I'll remember for m- my entire life. But yeah, I think that was, um, it was eye opening, just how crazy that fishery is up yeah, there. Uh, perspective is, is a really important thing when, you know, when you've, you've lived up there or guided up there or fished or whatever. And, you know, it, it, um, like you, you said, you caught a pink, you know, around here, people, it, there's some people love pinks in the Northwest. I mean, we've got a pretty good pink salmon run every other year. And, uh, you know, some people just detest them and it's kind of, I would, you know, kind of the same in Alaska. Um, but it's like, you know, if the, if the client or whoever it is, or, you know, DIY fishing or whatever, and you catch a bunch of pinks, like that's awesome. It's so cool. You know, it's, it's, we get yeah. so jaded when you have that perspective. You're like, well, I caught 10 pinks and only two silvers. But like, yeah, but you caught, you know, a dozen salmon a day. Like how many people can say that? Well, and also like the river, when we were on the anchor and we were doing it ourselves, um, we caught, I mean, no, like, cause obviously there's more people on the river yeah. too. So you can see some, you have your section and your zone and no one was really catching any fish, but Justin and I caught like, you know, two pinks. I caught a silver and, um, it was, it was awesome. I, I just, I wouldn't change it for the world. Even, even though it was very popular place, it's a small river too. um, There was plenty of, yeah, but there was plenty of fish for everybody. Like that's the thing that's, I think that's so cool about Alaska is in, in Montana, if you were fishing, um, the Clark fork, you wouldn't be too hyped to see that there was that many, you know, if you had it like vice versa, right? Like that many people in Alaska on the Clark fork, you'd be like, what in the heck? Like, there's not that many fish. Like, but you could be like, okay, I'm going to take a turn running down it. And then you follow me back. Like everyone could catch a fish. It's just, that's how crazy it is. Yeah. And it's, it's funny too. Um, like you talking about just how many people are out there, you know, people come out to like those fly out lodges and pay, you know, like thousands and thousands of dollars for a week of fishing. And, you know, they fly out to like some river and there's like 20 or 30 or 40 other boats on it and all airplanes taken off and landing. And they're like, what? Like, where, like, where do all these people come from? And you're just like, the <laughs> same thing as you're trying to do out here. But you know, there's, like you said, there's yeah. so many fish and so much water that it's, it's usually not that big a deal. 
Yeah, I think that, yeah, exactly. There is so many fish and this the Kenai is huge yeah. too. So like it can obviously host that many people, but it does, um, I think, you know, you have this image in your mind of what you're going to go to Alaska and you're like, I'm going to be like the only person there's gonna be this picture of me with the mountains behind me, but then you're like, there's a picture of me and there's some yeah. anglers over here to the left and a little and bit to the right. And let me just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, it, I'm still beautiful. If you know, don't let that um, obviously deter you from your adventures sure, going sure. to Alaska. But it, it was just like one of those things. No one told me that everyone likes to go to Alaska too. Yeah. So, but let's talk about Brett because um, you have a lot going on at Tailout Angler. Um, it's really cool. You're based in Seattle. I want to learn more about your operation. Let's start off with the bread yeah. and butter. What are you doing up there? Um, I guide, um, I mean, multiple fisheries, um, diff- kind of depends on, you know, the season. So you kind of got to chase the, the fish through the seasons. Um, most of what I do is guiding for sea run cutthroat in Puget Sound. So cool. I need to learn more about this. I've, I've never done that before. Um, can you go a little bit more into detail? How do you how do you target these fish? Um, so it's trout fishing, um, but it's in saltwater, and they do run up the rivers, and you can catch them in the rivers, and that's really fun too. Um, mine is my you know backyard fishery is Puget Sound proper, um, like right out of Seattle, and we catch you know cutthroat. I kind of make a joke of this usually, but we catch cutthroat like within sight of the space needle. <laughs> Um, and it's, you know, it's trout fishing. We use six weight rods and we fish small streamers, little bait fish patterns. And the cutthroat out there are native trout species. Um, they're anadromous, just like a salmon or a steelhead. And so they'll run up the rivers and creeks to spawn and they'll spend a lot of time out in the saltwater, um, just chasing bait fish and shrimp and whatever. Um, and I fish out of a, a boat, um, a power boat with a, a trolling motor. So we use that to control our drifts and, uh, what's really unique about it is it's a it's a, a protected saltwater fishery. Um, so we don't deal like there's wind waves and, and that kind of thing and boat wakes and stuff, but there's no like swell. There's no big ocean waves or anything like that. So um, you know it's uh, it's a really unique in that perspective. It's saltwater, but you're not, you know it's more like a lake and so cool. There's a lot uh, that's. Yeah, it, there's a lot of, of water there that's actually more like a river than a lake because of the tides. So the tides exchange twice a day here. And depending on where you're fishing, there are some areas that look, I mean, fully like a river with like riffles and, you know, rock gardens and drop-offs and things like that. And you're drifting with the current, you know, down these. And I, like I said, I use a trolling motor to control my boat. Um and casting at structure and the water's really clear and you're usually fishing in shallow water, you know, no more than like, you know, from a foot to 10 feet deep is, is really common. So you can see the bottom, Wow. you can see fish chase your fly. Um, so we're not usually, we're not necessarily casting at a, in a, a specific fish, but it is sight fishing in that you're casting at structure and you're watching fish come chase your fly and eat your fly, which is really, really, cool and unique. Um, and you know, I love taking people from, you know, the Midwest or the South or wherever that don't have any, any, uh, sort of barometer for what that this kind of fishing is like. And, you know, you're seeing seals and porpoises and eagles and deer. And if you're really lucky, you'll see orcas. (laughs) Um, you know, it's, it's just, and then, you know, you turn around and you see the Olympics or you see Mount Rainier or you see the city, um, the space needle. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's such a unique, um, thing. And it's, it's kind of an urban fishery because it's so close to Seattle and Tacoma, but it's also, you know, if you get on the backside of some of these islands and stuff or back in these little bays, um, there's, I mean, it just looks like you're in the middle of nowhere, you know, see a few houses or whatever, but, um, you know, there's a lot of state parks and county parks where it's just huge swaths of undeveloped land and, um, the same, uh, is even more so around Hood Canal, which is just like the next waterway east or west, sorry, of of Puget Sound. But it's all it's all kind of connected. But um, it just yeah, it's a a unique fishery that I, I really enjoy, and it's um, you can do it from the beach too. Um, it's it's you know much better from a boat, more you know get a lot more uh, versatility. But 
a lot of people do it from the beach. You know, a boat in salt water is also a total pain in the ass yeah. um, with all sorts of, you know, m- things that cost you a lot of money. <laughs> Um, bring, problems. You know what they say about a boat, bring out another thousand. That's what it stands for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's like, if I wasn't making money with my boat, my power boat, I probably wouldn't have it, which sounds stupid, no. but it, it's a, it's such a pain in the butt to keep a, a boat that you run in salt water, um, you know, just keep it running and, and, you know, in good shape. Um, but well, and also like just Seattle's weather. I mean, it's not even just on the water, right? You have to make sure that it's being taken care of out of the water. Yeah, definitely keep it covered up at all times. Yeah. I'm curious though, Brett. So like if you're targeting these uh, trout, like how are you rigging your um, your fly line? Like, because I mean, you could potentially catch anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, um, a good point where we, so I, um, I don't have, so this is kind of complicated, but I don't have a salmon charter license. Uh, those are super expensive and you can't just buy one. You have to, there's a moratorium on new ones in the state. So you have right. to buy one from somebody who's willing to sell one to you and they're tens of thousands of dollars. So the ROI on that for a fly fishing guide is not great. Um, however. Yeah. That's like liquor license here in Montana. <laughs> yeah. They don't give them out. Yeah. So they sell them for really, really expensive. Yeah. And, um, but, uh, Cutthroat are, are trout and a game fish, and it's uh, Puget Sound is open year round for trout. And we do incidentally catch uh, coho um, occasionally, if you're really lucky, like a chinook or you know humpies, um, pink salmon, in, in odd years. Uh, and you know those are from you know eight inches to eight pounds. Um, right. And that's you know I they live in the same water and they eat the same food. So yeah, you, and you you know you can catch kind of anything out there. Um, you know, if I'm out there fishing in 300 feet of water, um, you know, somebody might report me for <laughs> fishing salmon. Um, but, you know, you're <laughs> fishing for cutthroat. And uh, if you, you know, run into a, a coho, that's always a, a fun, uh, a, a fun, you know, bycatch. Um, but we catch sculpins out there. We catch flounder. We catch uh, um, like piling perch. Um, you know, there's all sorts of weird stuff out there, like you're saying. So cool. And the lines we use, um, so we use five and six weight rods, you know, trout rods. Um, the lines we use are really specialty, um, for, um, streamer fishing. And I usually use a clear intermediate line. Um, the one I really like is the Rio coastal quick shooter. It's a integrated shooting headline, um, that has a color change on it where the head and the running line meet. Nice. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. And then we use, sometimes we use faster sinking lines like the Rio outbound or the airflow 40 plus, um, or the, I can't remember the SA line. Um, it's one of their Titan sonar lines, but those are really great too. Can't remember the exact name of it, but yeah. So basically just a, um, kind of a light shooting head that just allows people to cast further easier. Um, and it, I, I have to, one caveat is it's, I have taken people out that are like super green. Um, and you know, they catch fish. It's really, it's, it's not a fishery that you have to be an expert at, but you have to have basic casting skills because you need to throw the line, you know, 40, 50 feet or more. Um, so if of you're, course, you know, yeah. it's much better to do a float trip uh, or a walk and wade trip or something, which I also do in the summertime, um, you know, just to slow that pace down a little bit. Uh, if you're, you know, if you're a rank beginner and I do a lot of instruction too. I mean, I love teaching people who've never picked up a fly rod before. Uh, but the, yeah, the Puget Sound thing requires a little bit of, of casting skills, but um, by no means do you need to be a, a, a experienced, you know, seasoned veteran. But you might as well. You do need to learn that you have to at least cast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to go out there for the first time like I've never touched a fly rod before. Like, yeah, it, it, where do you want me to cast? It this? gets a little tough. Um, that you know, but uh, yeah, you know. But we also catch, like I said, we catch fish in shallow water, and we catch fish, you know, sometimes literally at the boat. You know, they'll chase the fly, chase the fly, chase the fly. You'll watch them, and they'll eat it like right at the stern of the boat, or they'll get spooked and swim away. Um, but it's amazing how sometimes they are, when they want that fly, you're not going to take it away from them. You can't strip it fast enough. I mean, they're like, it's pretty wild when they smash that fly. That's like my favorite thing is watching the, the fish come and like chase the fly, whether, whether it's an eat or not, but sometimes you're just like, you're, when you see it coming, like for here in Montana, we can see the small mouth or like, pike, oh, yeah. you know, cause it's like so clear and you see it. And sometimes the fish will just like, 
you know, obviously come straight to the boat and then turn around and you're just like, oh my gosh, but how cool was that to see that fish really doing its instinct, just its nature, yeah, you know, predatory. that's its, uh, yeah. And it's so cool to see that. So sometimes even when you don't even catch a fish, I'm like, that was, that was awesome. That was so yeah, cool. That's very similar to here too. You get a lot of, um, a lot more action than you get fish in the net. So the percentage of fish you see or grab your fly or you hook and get off to like fish in the net is, I'm not going to say it's low, but it's not like, you know, 80% of the fish you see, you're going to, you're going to put in the net. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's half, um, or less depending on the day. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're, yes. but, you know, like you said, it's, it's super cool to see those fish come chase your fly to grab at that fly. Um, just see their predatory instincts is, is a lot of fun, I think. So you can do this though all year, all yeah, year round. Yeah, the area I fish is, um, there's fish around all year. Uh, my high season is kind of like April through November. Um, we can, you know, the, the weather gets a little sketchy, especially if somebody's traveling from out of town. You know, I, I wouldn't recommend to be in the winter or spring. Um, but there are other areas of Puget Sound down south that are amazing during like January, like middle of winter. Super, super good fishing. It's just the geography and the hydrology and just the way the fish behave and, um, and just how they migrate kind of changes depending on where you are in, in Puget Sound. They just sound like a, like they're a little bit moody, just like sometimes Seattle can oh, be. Oh, yeah. The weather can be in Seattle. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> they match the weather in Seattle. Yeah. Well, then I'm curious, then, Brett. So we also have this hosted trips. So how are you able to manage doing that? And also, I mean, let's ask this, like, how do you make time to do these hosted trips? Because you go everywhere. Like these, go to the website and check out these these places. We were just talking about Ishkalak, yeah. which you just said that you just came back. It, I mean, I don't know how you, how are you able to do it all? Um, well, first of all, I have a wife with a regular paycheck who's very understanding of a, a man <laughs> who is not meant for a you know desk job, nine to five kind of thing. Um, as much as time as I do spend at the computer. Funny, but, yeah, you know um, that they say behind a behind a a good man is an even better one. Yeah, or behind any fishing guide is a is a a good spouse of you know of with a with a steady paycheck and um, you know <laughs> well it's, said. it's such a uh, maybe it's a, a little off course but it's you know with COVID and all the weather related things and um, like last year I broke my wrist in the spring I was out for two months. <sighs> um, you know, and they closed some of our steelhead fisheries, which actually affected other guides more than it did me, but it still, you know, still affected me yeah. quite a bit. Um, there's a lot of sort of unknown, I mean, same in Montana with hoot owls and the floods in Yellowstone and all of that. Course. It's so unpredictable sometimes being a guide that um, it's, you know, I'm really fortunate to be able to have um, someone who, you know, like if I'm out of commission or, you know, for flooded rivers or whatever, like, Oh, well, we're not going to lose the house. Like, you know, that's right. important. No, that's like, you need somebody who's like, who's really structured in that, yeah. in that sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that does translate to me being able to do hosted trips. And it's something that I've done since I can't even remember. My first hosted trip was like 2005. I want to say five or six, uh, maybe seven to uh, Alaska West up in Southwest Alaska um, on the Connectauk river. Um, and I was in my you know mid twenties then. And, um, and I kind of got, I got some help from the guys that I worked at a fly shop then, uh, Creekside angling company in Issaquah, Washington, uh, for a long time, um, and still work with those guys. Um, but they helped me out. One of the guys, there was a manager of the camp and kind of was like, yeah, you know, bring a few people and I can, I can get you up there and, you know, comp you a spot. And, um, and it kind of just opened my eyes to like, Oh, I could do this and like go all over the place, you know? And I've just, you know, I've developed a, a loyal um, cadre of, of clients who like to travel with me. And even more in the last few years, um, quite a few more clients who are, just want to go travel and do fun stuff. And, you know, balancing it is tough. I mean, there's, there's um, it's, I, I say it's tough, but it's like the dream job too, right? I mean, it's, right, <laughs> there's a lot right. harder things out there. But it does require. No one's saying, "Oh, poor Brett." Yeah, poor Brett. nobody's feeling he's, bad for me. Yeah, but it, it's you know it does require a lot of time, and there's a lot of headaches involved with you know deposits and people saying they want to go and then getting sick or you know I've had people. Uh, a friend of mine broke her foot like a month before a trip to Belize, and I was like, you know, I, you're you're not getting money back. Like it's you know it's it's. I hope you have trip insurance, and she didn't, and you know I and and. Um, 
I shouldn't say I hope you have trip insurance. I try and get all of my clients to do so, <laughs> whether they do or not right. is up to them. But but I was able to fill that spot and, you know, a guy got a, got a, a cheap trip out of it. And um, But it's, you know, there's a ton of headaches like that. And um, You're kind of like a travel agent, right? You are, yeah. And you're responsible for your clients. You know, and I, I take that very seriously. I'm, I want to book places for my clients that I want to go, but also that, my clients are going to have fun and I want to book with good operations like Jesse's operation in X flats is Ishkalak is, is amazing. It's super, super cool. And, and honestly, the, the week we went, we had terrible weather, like cloudy and windy all week. And I had some people who had never flats fish before and some people who were, who were experienced and, you know, everybody had a great time. Everybody had a good attitude. Everybody caught bonefish. So a bunch of people caught their first, you know, handful of bonefish. Um, you know, we chase permit, we chase, uh, triggers and tarpon and snook and, but, uh, which was all tough due to the weather, but, uh, it was an awesome trip. Jesse's lodge is great. And I had people that were like, you know, at the end of the week of tough fishing and tough weather, they were like, Hey, so, uh, when do we get to come back here? <laughs> and I was just like, Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I want to come back for sure. Um, but it just, you know, it, working with places like that. Um, is awesome. And there's a lot of wonderful lodges out there. And there's, a, there's certainly some sort of fly by night operations or, um, you know, it's just people are super spacey or whatever it is that, um, you know, just are places that, that I wouldn't want to take my clients cause it, it just makes my job harder. And, you know, if you have bad food or if you have, you know, like dirty, you know, rooms or I don't yeah. know, whatever, I haven't really run into that, um, much if at all, but, um, so how but, does that work out though, Brett? Like, so you're the host. Do you just reach out to these places and then you're the travel agent, but then can you go there and then you fish with their outfitting business? Is that yeah. how that works? Yeah. I, I'm essentially a client and okay. um, I like, they have a program where, you know, you book X amount of people. Usually it's book, you know, five and six goes for free or seven and eight or nine and 10 or whatever it is. Um, and that person gets to go for free and, you know, it could be, and usually there's a, a commission involved so I can make a little bit of money. Um, well, cause you're also doing all the work, like yeah, and booking so for, flights and yeah. And it's, it's not unlike what, you know, yellow dog does or, or fly water, but it's obviously on a one man scale. I'm not sort of, uh, I'm as much as it'd be great to do that full time. I'm not like advertising like, Hey, Brett's travel service. Like, you know, everybody from around the world, call me and I'll send you somewhere. It's, it's, something for my clients and for me, you know, to go travel together and, and do all this, you know, fun stuff and go, go, uh, fishing cool places. Um, I'd love to expand that if I could and, you know, book more trips with more people. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, like I said, it's, a, it's, I want to go cool places. My clients want to go places and I want to take them there and show them a good time and they trust me. And that's, that's really the bottom line is I've got, you know, a loyal clientele who trust me to take them to a fun place. Um, that even if you have bad weather all week is still going to be a place that has great food and good accommodations and is in a beautiful setting and, you know, has good guides that work hard. Um, you know, all the, the things that you can control, uh, and then just, you know, you're always rolling the dice with weather and that's just, you know, that's, that's fishing. Uh, eating better is easy with factors, delicious, ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including calorie smart protein plus, which is the one I like and keto get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping, cooking or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. And I mean, that's 100% fishing. <laughs> yeah. You know, I... I, I was kind of bringing back, like, 
going back to, you know, you said that there was a lady who canceled her trip and you had the opening. And I mean, I've been on Instagram where someone's like, hey, uh, last minute, someone canceled. Uh, we're going to this destination. And sometimes I'm like, dude, maybe I should do it. But my biggest, I guess my biggest hesitation to ever wanting to do that is like, who are these people? Will I like them? Will they like me? Will I, how will I fit with this group? Um, how do you manage like your groups? Are you just like take anybody or will you make a phone call and be like, are you a good fit for us? Like, yeah. How does that work? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I'm, I guess lucky enough to, I mean, I, I don't want to say I'm like, I haven't been doing this for 40 years and I, you know, I've come on booked out like three years in advance kind of thing, but, um, which you are booked, though. I looked on your website. And it's like awful, awful, awful. I'm like, oh yeah. man, guess I'm not going to go to Tarpinville. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was a been really fun. fun trip. Yeah, um, that looked amazing. And we caught permit then too, which was also incredible. So um, crazy. Yeah, it's uh, you know, I, I, it's with all my trips are with clients that I've already fished with, pretty much. And there's certainly some newer people. Like I'm taking a group to Cuba in February of next year. And we have, including me, 18 people. And that, that trip kind of Holy exploded smokes. on me. And I have actually a co-host now who's a buddy of mine, who's a rep around here, who's helping me with some of the stuff. And we also have a booking agent um, because Cuba is just weird. And, you know, with all the yeah. travel restrictions and stuff. And I have I mean, a, a it only opened up not too long ago. Like, was that during the Obama? So Yeah. And I have a, a buddy of mine who I've known a long time who I trust who does that for a living so he's kind of the the liaison to the outfitter and I'm the liaison to all my clients and um, so that helps uh, when I can't you know it's a lot harder to just to go direct to a lodge you know with right. in Cuba but um, yeah and you know I've, I've there's a couple of these guys I haven't met but I know you know they sort of join the group because of other people who I know and who I trust um and honestly, as much as, you know, there's, I have so many stories and every guide does about, you know, the, the nightmare client. Um, but it's like, that is, that's so much more rare than, than we as guides, you know, want to complain about, you know, I, I mean, I can be as cynical as anybody else, but there's so many clients who are just so, you know, wonderful to be around and are great people and really just want to go fishing and have a good time. And, um, with travel, you know, as long as you understand that, shit happens and you gotta, you know, when you're in the, in Central America or, you know, wherever, like things just run a little differently than they do, you know, in New York city or, you know, Seattle or whatever. So you just gotta have people that are willing to go with the flow and know that, that, you know, you're trying to do the best you can. And when something goes sideways, you know, you're just going to make the best of the situation and the lodge is going to help you out. And, you know, the guides are going to work hard and, um, so but I imagine you're not getting people who are like, I'm going to spend all this money and I'm a, I'm a, beginner fly angler? Uh, not usually. Um, you know, there's, uh, it goes back to Alaska. One of my lodge manager always had this saying, you know, uh, people would get off the airplane and be like, wow, you know, this is great. Like never done spay casting before, but you know, like this sounds great. <laughs> and he would go, he would go, Hey, uh, Larry, you like golf? Oh yeah. I golf all the time. Go, yeah. Um, you ever played Augusta? No, no, no. Like that, I mean, that would be, you know, a lifetime, you know, and he'd go, well, uh, if you got invited to Augusta, do you think you'd practice a little bit beforehand? Go, oh yeah, man. I'd be hitting balls every day, da, 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 you know, this and that. And he goes, well, you're at Augusta, bud. Good yeah. luck. <laughs> and the guy kind of like look at him and my lodge manager's a total, uh, just total funny kooky guy. And, uh, so this Love is those if, guys. Yeah. If you knew him, this is like right up, you know, right spot on for him. But, uh, like, you know, like I'd kind of look around and be like, huh, okay. <laughs> you know, we teach him how to spay cast and he'd catch some fish and uh, it'd all be fine. But but you're um, also like spending that much money. Like I, I yeah. that always kind of blows my mind because um, also, I mean, always a great time to learn, but I couldn't imagine like booking somebody to take me fishing and be like, so I didn't practice any of my double haul. Um, I did do my spay casting cause I'm like, Justin's really working um, with me and trying to get the spay cast dialed. Cause there's nothing more embarrassing than like doing your, you know, you're like 
as I'm doing my spay cast and like doing my loop and then like launching it. And it's like, like right in front of your feet. Like, God, this is embarrassing. Like, I hope nobody's watching me. And then of course there's the boat, you know, I'm always doing it at the boat ramp for some reason. And yeah, pile of people looking at me. I'm like, yeah, you like that? You want to come out here and show me because I'm the only one doing it. But yeah, I mean, practice makes, you know, doesn't make perfect, but you can get a little bit better. Yeah. You'll never master it, but yeah, it's practice makes better. And like you said, you're spending a lot of money and a lot of time, you know, a lot of people just, you know, they don't have lots of time to do this. So when they go on vacation, they want to, you know, make the best of it. And uh, yeah, practicing is, is good. Let's just be honest. Those permit guides are like yelling at you. So you better have a thick skin. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I've found in, in, you know, Belize and Mexico and, uh, and, uh, Costa Rica and stuff, you know, the guides that are permit guides, they, they often want to catch that permit more than you. And a lot of it is like bragging rights, you know, to their, their fellow guides or, you know, whoever. And, um, or in the Bahamas, like, you know, the guide wants to catch a 10 pound bonefish probably more than you, because that makes, you know, that puts him in, you know, uh, high esteem with his colleagues, right. Or he can t- show that picture around and brag. And, um, so, you know, that, that, but that also just makes, those guides work that much harder, even if it is a selfish sort of thing. I mean, if they're into it, it, they're into it, you know, and you know, that's like steelhead guides too. Um, you know, I do, uh, um, kind of, um, well, it's a little different now. We've had a lot of problems with steelhead, but in the past and, and also now and in the future, I've guided summer steelhead and winter steelhead, um, and the grand Ron and the Skagit and the Olympic peninsula. Um, just things are, have changed a lot in the last couple of years, but, you know, when, when swinging flies for steelhead is not easy. And, um, you know, I want to catch that fish and I often want to catch it more than, than my clients. Um, you know, cause I'm putting my whole life into it and, yeah. uh, you know, clients put in a day or two and not, that doesn't, you know, not to negate their, um, you know, want to go do that. I mean, they're out there to have a good time and, and catch a fish and see, you know, some new cool stuff. But, um, the dedication that a lot of guides, you know, are, have put into it. Um, and even more so than me, I mean, I know people who've moved, you know, somewhere like, you know, British Columbia or out to forks or the Oregon coast or whatever to be a steelhead guide and to f- just to fish as much as possible. And, um, you know, that's, it's, that dedication is, um, is pretty incredible. They, they just, they love those fish and they just, they want to see them. They want to catch them. They want to get people into them. Yeah. I mean, back to Justin steelhead, it's the first steelhead I've seen in person in, on when the you anchor? look at that fish, yeah, it's just, it's really spectacular. Like that fish, who's really big, made it. Like, I mean, that fish has probably gone through so much hardship to make yep. it up to that point. And, and to think that that one fish that you caught at that time, like your paths met that fish who's already gone through, who knows what it's, you know, gone through in the ocean and, and it's had somehow a avoided being eaten or killed and then made it up to the river that blows my mind i'm like that is a resilient fish and the fact that like you came across that fish's life span i mean and it's it's journey up the river i that blows my mind i think it's like the most unique thing that you can you can come across it is i mean anadromous fish are are, i in my opinion the most amazing creatures on the planet i mean the um the survival rates, you know, I, I'm not a biologist by any stretch, but I, I try and, you know, I talk to a lot of biologists and I try and follow a lot of the, you know, conservation stuff and, and all that and participate when I can. But the, the um, for wild steelhead, the survival rates from, you know, from uh, fry to adulthood, like to return are a lot of times like between one and like, if it's super, super good, like seven, eight percent. Um, so like, you know, 1%, three, three to 5% from what I understand is pretty common for a lot of places. And that varies across their, their range. Um, you know, if it's summer or winter and how far they have to travel and stuff, but that is incredible. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's super low. Just saying that, like, I mean, you're holding a fish that it's beaten the odds and it's still going to try and beat the odds when you release it. Like it's journey, like maybe it'll make it again, but most likely probably not, but you were part of that fish's story. I don't know. Yeah. it's just such a beautiful thing. 
But yeah, back to, back to, I mean, Steelhead, we could talk about Steelhead all the time. I just find them to be so amazing. But you're also like kind of going out of your, you know, your comfort zone from these like Steelhead waters and really expanding your, um, exploring these waters. Like, how do you even figure out which destination you want to go? Is it based on like what you want to fish? Or you're like, you know what, I've heard that these, these people have a good operation. Is it, do you first rely on outfitters and then location or is it location and then let's figure out what an out what's the best outfit for us it, it depends on those are sort of several things i mean it depends on where i want to go and where my clients want to go um and it depends on uh you know some places there's half a dozen outfitters in one town right or what like a, like in um, punta allen in ascension bay mexico um but a lot of it is is um you know i have people who uh, have told me about places or have been places and say, Hey, this lodge is really awesome. Or, um, you know, some places just have excellent reputations. Like, um, you know, I've been to Turnip flats in, in Belize, like, uh, I think three times and you know, the, they have an awesome reputation. They've been around a long time. And, and, uh, I know, you know, multiple people that have been there and it's, um, so I feel comfortable like contacting them and knowing that I'm going to get a good experience for my clients. Um, and, you know, like X flats, uh, you know, Jesse, I knew a couple people that had been down there several times and were just like, Hey man, this guy's got it dialed, you know? I, so it's, it's kind of a uh, word he's got of mouth personality too. Oh, he's, so I yeah, feel like he's the, awesome. both of you guys super would fun. mesh so well together. Cause we've had him on the podcast and yeah, and we had, a, we had a super fun time down there. Uh, the whole group did. And, um, and yeah, it's, so it's, just, it just depends on it, you know, word of mouth, uh, reputation. I, I, you know, I always want to talk to somebody who's been there, um, you know, and then talk to the owner or the manager and kind of get a feel for it and see what, you know, what, uh, what their program is. You know, some places don't have hosted trip programs. They just don't have the margins or they don't need to, you know, if they're super duper booked, you know, years in advance, yeah. they don't need to have hosted trip programs. So there's that too. Um, and some of the places are more, um, you know, like you book a hotel, you book some guides and you have to put it together yourself, which is, uh, more work, but also, uh, enjoyable and rewarding. Um, like I'm taking a group back to, uh, New Orleans or outside of New Orleans, um, uh, in end of November this year to go redfish. And I did the same thing last year and we rent a house, uh, and we get guides together and, you know, we rent a car and we, we actually do all of our own cooking, but I have a, a caterer who I use, who designs a menu for us and like does all the shopping like online for us. Um, so it just Glorious. cuts down all the, like all this, <laughs> yeah, this extra work and thought and you know she designs meals that we can cook that are super easy and simple when we get home and we're tired and all we need to do is have a beer and shoot a game of pool um Love so that, that kind of thing um again it's a little more work but it's it's also a lot of fun you know you're it's a little more independent you can you know your group is just your group there's no other people around and so um so say i was like you know say i'm like hey brett i want to go on one of these hosted trips like, how would that process go? Would you, cause obviously you're already pretty much booked for everything. Would we like have this conversation, like the way that we're doing it now? And you'd be like, you know what? I think this is the best trip for maybe in two years from now or a yeah. year from now, I'll start catering a trip to that'll accommodate to you and um, like the group of people that you'll be with. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, that's basically how it goes. You know, if somebody I talk to or, or, you know, I'll, I'll talk to my like kind of loyal travelers and say, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this one or this one or this one, who's interested. Um, and like right now I'm kind of trying to figure out, you know, winter, spring, like 20, uh, what would it be? 23, 24, like for next winter. Um, it's out two trips going this winter and trying to figure out what I want to do. And I, you know, I just heard that Christmas Island is going to be closed through 2022. So that kind of, and who knows when it's going to open back up now it's right. been delayed so many times. So that kind of takes that off the menu and that's kind of been on my list for a while. Um, you know, I want to do a peacock bass trip to Columbia, but yes. uh, Columbia has, they've essentially outlawed sport fishing or may have, we don't really know how it's all going to play out. Um, so that's a whole nother, <laughs> you know, thing. So bag you of worms that you're not ready to like just dive into quite yet. Yeah. So you, yeah, I can't, you know, I don't want to take my clients to, like book a trip in Columbia and be like, Oh yeah, come on down, spend all this money. And then like a year later be like, Oh yeah, there's no sport fishing anymore. Like, sorry, your money's gone. <laughs> like yeah. that's, so it's, it's you re- like you're kind of talking about before doing your due diligence and 
finding operations that are that are trustworthy and um, is really important. And um, you know, if if it's uh, something too that somebody's like, hey, I want to go sooner, or I want to go on a different, like I've already got a trip that's booked or whatever, you know, I can send someone to a lodge that I I know is a good lodge or a place I've been to before, um, and you know, I can I can contact the the lodge and, you know, act as that travel agent for them. Um, I, you know, I've got several fly shops I work with to get people geared up, um, depending on, you know, what they need for the trip. And, you know, that lodge will usually give me a commission for that. Um, so if, you know, there is a financial incentive as well. Well, I mean, also you are doing a lot of the work and you're finding people like, you know, can't do everything for free. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's, that's so, uh, well worth it. Um, so you do have to put in your books. I do. Okay. These are, these are my list of three things I would love to do, Brett. So think of me. Yeah. I want to go somewhere warm. I'd love a fighting fish. I'd love to do the peacock bass or tarpon. Never caught obviously either one of them. So, um, and, and my skill level is I'm, I, I feel like I'm intermediate. Like I, I can do a double haul and I'm, I'm learning to do some, tra- yeah. you know, doing some spay casting. So I can practice in that time, in that time, if you can give me like a year or two. But that's that'd be me, that'd be my my list of things I'd like to do. Yeah. Well, then we'll take you to uh, to the place I'm going in February. We'll just go to Cuba next year. And oh we'll, my gosh! They have year round. They have juvenile tarpon from like five to twenty five pounds in the mangroves. And first off, you- I'd love to go to Cuba. <laughs> I just think the the culture there looks amazing. Like so bright, so colorful. Like yes. everyone's just yeah. The music is. Yeah. The music, everything that, yeah. Sign me up for Cuba. If you actually do that, please put a yeah. spot for me and Justin. We both would love to do something like that. Yeah. I, yeah. We can totally talk about it later. I, I can almost guarantee this won't be my last trip to Cuba. Um, it just, uh, it's such a spectacular place. And, and, um, I know so many people that, that have been there and people that go back like year after year too. I mean, just that have just fallen in love with it. So I'm really excited to do this trip. Oh, well, yeah. I, I, I would, that would be, that's also on my bucket list of places to go. Um, so, but so Brett, if people are wanting to actually book, maybe they want to go fishing with, with all of us together for this Cuba yeah. trip, uh, what's the best way for them to, or maybe they want to go steelhead fishing or sea trout, you know, like sure. there's so many options that you can provide. You can like anybody who probably calls you, you can find a specific place that, that would be a good fit for them. What's the best way for them to do that? Um, the best way is probably to check out my website. Um, it's tailoutanglers.com. I've got all of my trips and descriptions and instruction and on there and all sorts of stuff. Um, there's a few videos like you'd mentioned. Uh, and then all my contact info is on there too. Um, Brett, B-R-E-T-T at tailoutanglers.com is my email. That's usually the best way to get a hold of me because um, I'm on the water a lot and I can respond you know, thoughtfully when I get home at night. Um, and I've got Instagram. That's my only like real social media. It's just at tail out anglers. Uh, and if you want to see a picture of my, uh, what we were talking about before we started recording my, my destroyed <laughs> truck. Um, there's, a I was just about to that. say, if you go onto his Instagram, everyone know that Brett is okay. Cause like you said, you, your truck is destroyed because of, yeah, uh, I hit an elk, uh, last week on I 90 going, uh, driving to the Yakima river really early in the morning, trying to get the, the early morning, um, stonefly, uh, dry fly bite and hit an elk, a full grown uh, cow elk. And, um, I still haven't, heard, I don't have any word on my truck if they're going to total it or not yet. Uh, but it is pretty hammered and there's a video on my Instagram of all the damage and, uh, uh, luckily my boat was okay. It hit your windshield, your windshield was totally destroyed. How did yeah. you, when that impact happened, how did how did that feel? Because it looks like uh, awful. <laughs> yeah, awful. like seatbelt burns. Recommend. Everything. Yeah, seatbelt yeah. burn. No, um, you know, I mean, it kind of maybe this is kind of gross, but it, you know, I hit a soft object and it kind of it it uh, was obliterated. So um, while it was a, a huge impact and um, it shattered my windshield and my driver's door and tore my mirror off and damaged the whole driver's side of my truck, um, the elk was in a bunch of pieces all over the road. Um, oh my gosh. And I was doing like 60 or 62 or something like that on the freeway towing my boat. I wasn't going super fast. It was dark, um, you know, on towing a boat on, you know, going over mountain pass and, um, uh, something I do all the time, but, uh, yeah. And it was just like a bomb went off, you know, when the windows exploded and I was able to pull over, um, quickly 
and you know I was covered in glass head to toe. I was spitting oh glass gosh. out. You know, it was in my mouth, and I just had a few little cuts on my forehead and a little cuts on my hand. But I didn't know, you know, what the damage was to. I didn't know if I'd broken bones or if I was spurting blood and couldn't see it. So I crawled oh. out of my truck, and it's again, it's dark, like dark, dark. And I'm just, you know, doing the pat down, seeing if all my bones are working and joints and limbs. And I see a little bit of blood, but I can't, you know, I, can, I don't know what's going on. I can't tell. You're in shock. Totally, yeah. And this guy pulls over and he goes, hey, man, is that all your stuff in the road? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, uh, you know, there's an elk in the road I just hit. And uh, <laughs> I was like, my oars, my anchor, my cooler, who knows what's in the middle of the road, right? Like, I know I have my boat, but that's about it. Because were you meeting clients to take people fishing? Um, yeah. Yeah. I was meeting clients in like, you know, an hour after that or whatever. And, um, and yeah, it's like I tried to call uh, 911 to get, you know, the troopers to come out because I didn't know what was in the road and cars could be hitting that or whatever. Oh, I didn't yeah. really know if I needed an ambulance, which I didn't, luckily. Um, and I was like, hey, can you call 911? Like, my phone's not going through. It took me like six times to get through. And he goes, yeah, sure. And he just like walks back to his truck and gets in and drives away. I was like, what? I was like, okay, what? dude, thanks for the help. What? Is yeah. this like, was you obviously Seattle? I told you they're a little yeah. moody. I've yeah, been to I Seattle. Guess. Some I people guess. are moody, not all of the Seattle people. Not yeah. like you, Brad. Actually, there were several people. I was there for hours because I was waiting for a tow truck and it got light out and everything. And my buddy came and got my, my uh, boat for me and took it to his house and was waiting for a truck. And several people pulled over just to see if I was okay because they saw the carnage on the road and saw me a smashed up truck just sitting there. So that was really encouraging. You look at that video, Brett, I would think that someone died. I honestly. think I'm lucky that I was in a big truck and uh, not essentially unhurt. Um, I, 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 it could have yeah. been so much worse. And I feel very fortunate to be to have just walked away. So how did that phone call go with your clientele? Were you like, hello, this is Brett? Well, I texted him. I texted him after I talked to the trooper and in insurance. And um, I was like, hey, man, like not going to make it hit an elk. And uh, and I didn't hear back. And I called him, left a message, didn't hear. And I, don't, I just don't know if he got any of them or he was driving too. And he, he texts me and he's like, hey, I'm here. Uh, I'll see you in a minute. And I was like, uh. <laughs> so I called him again. I was like, hey, man sent you a text and an email or a, a voicemail. I guess you didn't get it. I was like, I hit an elk. Um, I'm not making it. And he's like, dude, I saw you on the way over. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. He wasn't the guy that was like, did you leave anything? Sorry, I got to go. Yep, I'm calling 911. Yeah, right? I got to go fishing though. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't him. But he, you know, he didn't know what my truck looked like or whatever. But he was like, I didn't put two and two together. But he goes, I saw the boat. I saw the truck. It's like, oh man. And then he also saw me on the way back. Uh, because I was still sitting there. I was sitting there for hours waiting for a tow truck. But <laughs> he just honks his horn, beep, beep, hi, Brad. Yeah, exactly. And uh, several, my sister-in-law saw me. Um, several friends of mine saw me after I, when I posted that Instagram. They were like, that was you on the side of the road? And I was like, yeah. Oh, gosh, Brett, that is horrible. <laughs> I mean, what, yeah. what a good way. I mean, I'm glad that you are safe. But it's just one of those experiences, too, that – I don't know, probably puts everything in perspective and you probably appreciate going down to, to Cuba and all these experience. Cause, um, you know, not like the guy with the dildo, like ah, I could die right now on this mountain, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think yeah. it's one of those things that when you have life, a uh, life experience like that, that, you know, you kind of probably in the moment you're like, okay, what do I do next? But I'm sure it probably settles in like that could have been hell a whole lot worse. Yeah. Yeah. It puts things into, you know, a little better perspective for sure. Um, it could, I mean, yeah, I'm extremely fortunate to have walked away from that. And, um, yeah, it was not a good time. Like we said, not at all. I, like we said earlier, um, when I was at working at the bar and there was an ER doctor, he, he I was like, what, what is my oh, yeah. recommendation? He's like, don't, don't have a motorcycle. I've seen in rural, this is like in rural Montana. And he's like, because I've seen so many people, motorcycles, not just in car accidents, but hit wildlife. And he's like, there's no yeah. recovering that. I'm like, oh, enough said. No, there's Don't nothing need to protect even. you. Yeah, nothing. Like leather isn't going to stop some stop something like that from an animal no. hitting you, especially no. something. Anyways. But um, I can't thank you enough, Brett, for joining me today and sharing your stories. And I really do want to get um, to Cuba. Like, let's make that happen. Yeah. And also, actually... Listening about the sea trout, that is something I've never done before. And 
I would love to do something like that. So, um, and Seattle's only like, I think it's only like nine hour drive from Missoula. So, uh, um, yeah. maybe I'll get that. I drive your direction all the time. Well, let's, <laughs> oh, from Missoula, it's seven hours. Is it seven hours? I thought so too. Yeah. Let's, let's make this happen. Yeah. You come fishing with us in to, Missoula. Yeah. We'll, Jess and I yeah. will come out to, um, to Seattle. Go to thefebruaryroom.com where you can access a complete library of our podcast and read more about our guests, their fishing stories, and favorite fly patterns. We're always looking for exceptional fly fishing yarns, and if you have one to spin, shoot us an email at info at thefebruaryroom.com. The February Room is always free, but if you feel like throwing a nickel in the pond, we appreciate any additional listener support. For companies and individuals interested in sponsorship opportunities, please contact us for our media kit. Thanks for stopping by the February Room, and we'll see you down here next week. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.